It's our first hour two of the whole week, and it's going to be our only hour two live. Uh, we've had short shows. Well, yesterday, we didn't even have a show on Tuesday, but it is officially the game after work. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale, just us two. DG is now the father of two daughters. So we'll see if we get him back next week. But I believe uh, they just got they got home today. He and his wife and two daughters. and So wish him the best of luck, quite honestly. I don't know what it's like to be a father, but I'd imagine right now it's uh, unique, to say the least. A 15-month-old and a newborn. This will be interesting. Oh, okay. The first, his oldest, I, it was younger than I thought. 15 months? Mm-hmm. Is that it? Mm-hmm. I thought I was guessing... Year and a half, maybe year and uh, you know, like nine months or something like that. But I've, I don't think I've ever met Sophia. No, I have not either. So when DG gets back, we'll get the details on uh, the new little lady in the household uh, for the the Garcias. But it is hour number two, and coming up at five twenty-five, we'll talk some Iowa State Cyclones with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. But we are now joined by former K-State wide receiver, and he is with the Wildcats NIL, the Wildcats Den NIL Collective. That is Curry Sexton. Curry, once again, thank you for joining us. What is what is in the world? Did, it, did I just hear some echo? Am I crazy? No, there was a little something there. Oh, weird. Uh, well, it sounds right now. Are we good? You think so? Curry, you there? Yeah, I couldn't hear okay. you for a few minutes, but the minute you said my name, I could hear you. Oh, okay. Weird. Okay. Well, we're figured out now. Uh, Curry, thank you for joining us. Um, Adrian Martinez, two eighty-seven all purpose. He runs for a buck seventy-one, four touchdowns altogether. Have you seen now the consistency in Adrian that you've been looking for, and that tells you that he should be confident, Adrian, for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think I think the uh, I mean I've seen the consistency on in, on the ground game. Um, I think our I think the duo of Adrian and Deuce is it has got to be one of the top, you know, running, running duos, you know, quarterback, running back, running duos in the country. So, yeah, I mean, those two are game changers. Uh, between the two of them, you know, defenses have to account for for them and the run game every single play. And um, either one of them could take take a you know take one the distance um, at any given moment. I think that's huge uh, for an offense. And I and I think that at some point. His ability in the run game is really going to open up the passing game. Uh, so I've been very impressed with him, and and think he's uh, yeah he's definitely had a, had coming out parties each of the last two weeks. There was a lull for the offense there in the second quarter and into the third, where I mean five straight possessions, no points. It started out with a fumble by Deuce Vaughn, and then four straight three and outs. And obviously, to you know you get out of a funk like that, you you know start moving the football, score a little bit, and uh, yeah, they'll certainly make you forget about the previous woes, especially if you're winning the game. But during a lull, what's it like on the sideline for the offense? Is it comparable to where things are going well and just the mood is different, or what is it like? Yeah, certainly. Um, any You know, anytime, anytime things aren't going like you hope, you know, there's a, there's a pressure build. And and guys start to get tensed up, and you know you have coaches either on the sideline getting, you know, kind of letting guys have it, or you have the coaches in the press box calling down and letting guys have it, and and you always have sort of maybe the team leaders walking around and trying to get guys going. Um, and so yeah, I mean it's it's certainly tense, but um, I think a good offense knows that 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 not every 
and not every drive is going to end in a in, in a touchdown. And so you kind of have to ride things out um, and get through the storm. And 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 you know you'll be in the end zone or putting up points before too long. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's it, it can be a little bit nerve wracking, but the good but but the important thing is to to not lose lose sight of of uh, to not lose sight of, of of the game plan and what everybody's been working on. I think it sometimes can be, you know, you can look at it in terms of like a, a basketball game. Um, you know, you if basketball teams down twenty points, you can't, you know, you can't shoot a twenty pointer to catch back up. You kind of just got to chip away. And the same could be said for for you know for an offense that's maybe stalled out a little bit. You're not going to bust an eighty yard play to to you know to bust out of a slump. Um, you you know you just got to got to go down the field methodically and 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 make plays and and go you know go get six points. And I think I think our offense did a nice job of that uh, Saturday of, of really rebounding in the in the fourth quarter and and putting the game on ice. Are you surprised we haven't seen the pop pass yet? Well, we saw we saw it at, uh, we saw it against Oklahoma. Um, and, and maybe not the church, maybe not, maybe not the, the, I guess maybe not the traditional pop pass, but we did see some RPO type stuff at mm-hmm. Oklahoma that, that worked, um, early on. But yeah, I mean, I think that's something that, that I think, you know, we could have a lot of success with that, especially with, you know, the way that Adrian has run the ball in the last two games. So yeah, maybe, maybe you're, uh, Maybe you're giving us a little, you know, doing a little foreshadowing here for, for what's to come. But uh, I, I do think the RPO, you know, the RPO pop pass type stuff is something that's going to be, you know, could be effective for this offense because it does seem like we're struggling to, you know, get guys open. Well, I think uh, in my personal thought is I don't even know if I've shared it on air, but maybe Colin is just, you know, kind of saving it for when it is necessary. I mean, we saw Dana Demo would run it. Um, you know, multiple times a year, and it would usually work. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can remember Baby Gronk scoring a couple of times on a on a pop pass. Either I remember was it at Oklahoma State when he scored on that one time, and maybe against Oklahoma. Uh, yep, at, at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State in 2013, and at Oklahoma in 2014. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly an effective play, and and uh, you know, again, when you have a, when you're a Run based offense, and you got a quarterback who's running a lot of quarterback power, like Adrian is. You know, he's a quarterback power pass. Something could be really, you know, I could I could see a Ben Sennett, um, you know, coming up with a big play on a pop pass. So maybe that's something we will see. Well, we hope to see, of course, the offense be able to run the football against a really good Iowa State defense. But uh, Curry, a question about your time playing with the Cats. You ran the ball officially one time. In your K State career, do you remember that play? I do. Yeah, yeah. Twenty thirteen versus Iowa State. Little, little, uh, just, just simple end around. I think I got. I don't know how many yards I got, but I think I got a first down. Um, yeah, I wasn't. The, I wasn't one of the first. I wasn't the first or second or third or probably fourth option for for the end around play. Um, but but I did get one. I was just—I was curious if you would know all the details. You're right, and uh, about everything. Uh, it was for eight yards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at look at that. I just happened to ran, randomly find that while I was going through some notes, and I was like, Curry Sexton, eight yards a carry in his career—not too shabby. Uh, <laughs> you're also—you were a farm kid growing up, right? I was. I was. As a farm kid in Farmageddon, what are your thoughts on this, like? Uh, 
it's really, of course, been initiated by the K-State fans, but like the, the war with wheat versus corn as a farm kid in Kansas, because you know, I'm sure you know corn is, is pretty important to Kansas farmers, too. Yeah, I think it's funny uh, the 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 you know the, the back and forth that we that we've seen this week. I think I saw some you know maybe Snyder's windbreaker give some money to to his celiac foundation. Um, that 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 was pretty hilarious. Um, I so I, I guess I am partial to wheat. I my family we never grew corn. Um, we we for one reason or another that in the central part of the state it's not maybe not as prominent as wheat is. And so we were always a big wheat family. So I'm uh, I'm certainly partial to wheat. So I suppose that that's good for for um, the banter this week. How would your dad work if during the summers? Would he have you out late with harvest and all that, or were you uh, were you were you getting kind of a break because you knew you maybe had weights the next morning at six or seven? Yeah, I mean, you know, there were times, but but. We have we don't my family wasn't a real big farming operation. I mean, my dad ran most of it himself or still runs most of it himself and we would you know, we would certainly help out, but it wasn't it wasn't like maybe the farm my dad grew up in where, you know, where you didn't have the same machinery that we have today and so it did require more bodies and more hands. Um and it did require people to be in the field, you know, it it, it you know, at odd hours. But really we uh you know, we we have a lot of we we have a lot of uh, alfalfa on the farm, and and that is very time intensive. But when my dad, there's a local hay mill in town that that, that you know one at one point my dad decided that he didn't want to he didn't want to have to to do his own hay anymore, um, and so the hay mill takes care of our alfalfa now. I mean, dad dad prepares the ground and plants it, um, but but they but you know they 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 cut it and pick it up and everything. So that really um, was a big time saver for, for dad. Um, and, and once we started doing that, that really cut back on, on the need for, for really late nights, because, you know, when you're cutting wheat or you're cutting soybeans, when the sun goes down, the, the beans start, you know, the moisture sets in and the beans start to get tough. And so at some point the, the, the elements will make it so that you kind of have to stop cutting, um, you know, at a certain time in the night. So there weren't, weren't a ton of late nights. Curry Sexton is our guest. Um, so celebrate Ag Day was the Texas Tech game, of course, and you came back to uh, open the locker room door. Did K State reach out to you, be like, "Hey, we're celebrating Ag against Texas Tech. We want you back for this one." Yeah, so it was actually a situation. So BJ Finney is, is running. He's 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 working in the Ahern Fund now, and is in in his head the head of uh, Bar City K Club, which is the. Um, which is the the club for ex letter winners of the, of all sports, um, and so he so he had reached out and he said, hey, I need a favor. Um, potentially, he said we we you know we wanted Elijah Lee to come back and to open the door because he had gotten cut by the Chiefs, but he got picked up on the practice squad and may get activated this weekend. If he does get activated, can you come do it? And I said absolutely, I'd be happy to. Um, we were actually in town for a wedding. So I, I I came up, I, I went up on the field, watched some pregame, opened the door, you know, ran out, watched the first touchdown drive, and then I had to go. But it was but it was a fun experience and a great honor. I'm gonna ask you a question that might be a little bit awkward. I love a podcast called Are You Garbage and they ask this question all the time. You brought it up, so I'm gonna bring I'm gonna ask the question. Uh, you know, Curry Sexton doing pretty well for himself. Um 
for that uh, that for that wedding. Uh, what what's going in the envelope? Say, hold on, say that again. I, I I didn't hear that very clearly. Okay, I maybe I butchered it when I asked. So, uh, you know, you're given a gift for that wedding, maybe a little cash. Uh, what's what's exactly going in the envelope? Oh man, I mean, candidly, I let my, I let my wife handle the wedding gift. Um, but you know, we we've given out some cash before, and we're we're not in a stage in life where we're giving out a lot of money. But we might give somebody, you know, 150, 200 bucks on on occasion if we if we can't find the right gift. Uh, just recently, well, not recently, but it's been a little while. Uh, I put a hundred dollar bill in a uh, in a wedding card, and I felt like Curry. I felt like a baller by giving a hundred bucks. Um, and I think you, you taught me there. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite memories of playing against Iowa State? Iowa State, man, that was a team we never lost to, which is good. Um. I would say I would say our senior year, we you know we go up there our senior year and it was the second game of the season, which was super odd. Um, we 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 had some, you know, Tyler was dealing with some things. I was dealing with some things. We kind of had some injuries, um, but we go up there and you know it's it's Jake's home. It's Jake's home state. It's the school that his dad went to. It's the school that he probably wanted to go to, but didn't give him any love. And we go up there and we struggle with a with a mediocre Iowa State team, but then Jake scores the winning touchdown in the in the latter minutes and then at one point Randall Evans made um an incredible interception to kind of seal the thing. Um so that would probably be my my most favorite memory. And we actually I, I believe that was an eleven AM kick. I could be wrong. I, I might right. be getting caught. I'm uh, so anyways, eleven AM kick, we go up there, we get a big win. We fly back to Manhattan, and then a, a, a group of us actually hopped in our cars and drove back to Abilene and shot some dove that night. Um, so it was it was an awesome day. Go to Iowa, get a big win, and then drive to Abilene, and we and we 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 did pretty well on the on the dove. So it was it was a it was a day to remember. Well, I, I brought it up in a monologue earlier, like, you know, it's just, of course, I didn't play, so I can't really speak on that part, but it just feels like a weird place to play, a weird environment. It just kind of doesn't matter how good the teams are. It's just, it's always going to be a close game. You don't see a, a ton of blowouts, I, if I remember correctly, certainly in the games in Ames, and you're right. I mean, in 2012, 2014, K-State was superior. There's no doubt about that, but they ended up being one-score games. But, uh, you know, what do you think about this game Saturday? In names, you, you yeah. going with the cats? I absolutely, but I think you're right. Um, I Ames is a very difficult place to play. I think it's probably similar to K State in some respects, but their fans are always going to show up and they're always going to be loud. And that grass field is is a is a different. Com- it brings a different component. Um, you know that you they still have a little bit of crown on the field. They usually have thick grass. It kind of slows guys down. It it is just unlike any. It's unlike anywhere else in the Big 12. Um, and so I, I think, you know, whether Iowa State's loaded or not, they're always going to play you tough. And so I think the same is going to be can be said for this weekend. I, I still think they're a pretty quality football team, although they may be having some issues at quarterback. But this is a good defense. I mean, other than other than um, other other than than Baylor, they nobody scored more than 14 points on them. Um, and they shut down a pretty good offense at KU last week, and so I, I, I think that this is going to be a fairly low-scoring game, 
Um, and I, you know, although K State probably is is the better team on paper, I think we we're going to have to go up there and play pretty pretty darn good football um, to get a win. But I still I, I do think the Cats will win by about a touchdown. I agree with that. Curry, to wrap up, has your brother talked you into coming to Lawrence for college game day? No, I'm actually. I'm. Uh, we're actually going to go to. Uh, we're going to go up to Ames, and, and Jake Jake Waters is actually the running backs coach at uh, at Iowa State. So we're going to go up and uh, and see him and his girlfriend, and 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 take in the uh, take in the game in Ames on Saturday. So I will be in Ames. Well, that's awesome. Well, Curry, greatly appreciate your time once again. We'll talk to you next week and have fun in Ames. Sounds great. We'll do. Thanks, guys. That's Curry Sexton, former K-State Wildcat, wide receiver, of course, and a part of the Wildcats Den NIL Collective. When we come back, we'll look more into the Iowa State Cyclones with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register next. K-State men's golf coach Grant Robbins, shout out to him, getting a contract extension through the 26-27 season. Did I see the golf team is ranked in the top 15 in the country? Now we also got news on um, it was a, in the, it was in the three o'clock hour that Taylor Bratt sent out the cat signal commit for the 2023 season. That is Jace Brown, who is a wide receiver, six foot one sixty five out of Florida, three star kid, and he has picked the cats. Here's all the offers he had: Air Force, Alcorn State, Arkansas State, Army. Uh, Charleston Southern, Charlotte, Georgia State, Mid-Tennessee State, Navy, Tulane, and Western Kentucky. He has picked the Cats over uh, all of those schools. It's certainly uh, a topic I'll bring up with Derek Young um, Wednesday. Well, we'll see what the the week's going to be kind of weird next week because the Cats are on a bye, first of all, when it comes to the football team. But... uh, Big 12 basketball media days are in Kansas City next week, and I'll be going to the men's. Can't make it to the women's, but men's will be on Wednesday, and the women will be on Tuesday. And I believe Brett Yormark, commissioner of the Big 12, will speak on Tuesday to the media. All right, let's get to uh, more discussion about the Iowa State Cyclones. And with that, we speak with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. Randy, have you seen Iowa State fans on social media as jacked up for this game as K-State fans have been so far this week? Yeah, I've seen Iowa State fans on social media. Yeah, they're excited, but they're excited to, to see an offense for a change. I think that's where their um, their situation is. They're, they're annoyed that Iowa State doesn't have much of an offense, and I've seen their criticisms about the offense on social media, as well as I've seen you know, comments about the Farmageddon and, and the, you know, this game. But mostly Iowa State social media, Iowa State fans of social media stuff has been about how this team isn't performing the way they thought it would and being 0-2 at this point. Yeah, it's interesting defensively. I mean, Iowa State's just about in first place in every category in the conference. Meanwhile, you mentioned offensively, there has been quite the struggle, including in the running game, but it also doesn't help that Jirel Brock, Iowa State's leading rusher, banged up early in the game against Kansas, only one carry for eight yards. And uh, it sounds like he's questionable for Saturday, but against KU, I mean, how much did it hurt Iowa State's chances of trying to be two-dimensional? I think it hurt Iowa State's chances a lot because what we're finding out is that the other running backs, 
that position is not as deep as, as what apparently we thought it was. Anybody that was close to Iowa State thought that the running backs, that would be a, a fairly deep position. I'm not saying great position, but deep position. And man, there's running backs, but I don't know whether those running backs that played against Kansas, I don't know whether they're ready to play a full Big 12 conference load if Jirel is not coming back. I'm not saying they won't be good someday, but there's, they certainly were deer in headlights last Saturday at Kansas. And, you know, as you know, Kansas isn't the greatest, I didn't think at least, defense in the world. So Iowa State needs Jirel Brock to play, and, and Campbell, like, like all coaches are, I presume, at least every coach that I've ever run across in the state of Iowa, he's very, I don't know, cagey about injuries. So I don't know whether whether Jirel's going to play or not. I'm just going out of the assumption that if he does, he's not going to be effective because I know he hasn't been practicing. Jirel's not playing. Iowa State's going to be fairly one-dimensional, I think. We'll stop more quarterback Hunter Deckers, who's right now the third-leading passer in the Big 12, a little over 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns and six interceptions. He's seventh right now in passing efficiency. I was watching the KU game. He threw some dangerous passes, but through the five games, you've watched Iowa State football, so how would you grade him out through his five starts? I would say he's, if I was a teacher, that's my daughter. My daughter's a teacher. She would, my, I would give him about a C. I would say he's, he's, he's fairly he's average right now. He's he took, he had five sacks against against Kansas and all the, all those some of those he he could have just thrown the ball away. I mean I I still don't know why they can't do that. But maybe that takes some getting used to. I remember Brock Purdy didn't when he was in his infancy at Iowa State that he, he had a it took him a while to figure out when the pocket was breaking down and when to when to get rid of the ball. Um, so I assume Hunter will will figure that out. But but I'll tell you what Iowa State has, has been passing the ball downfield more than they more than it has in, the, in recent years, at least, than with Xavier Hutchinson on the end of those passes. He's, he's as good as it gets in, in, the, in the Big 12. So um, if the offensive line can give him some time, Hunter's, Hunter Deckers was, is, is pretty darn good. But as far as also, like you mentioned, taking some those risky passes, Brock Purdy threw risky passes his last couple of years and got away with it. Hunter Deckers is throwing um, risky passes right now, and, and I I don't, he's not he's not getting away with it as, as like he's um, 30 do so they've got to fix that up a little bit but uh, I think that'll probably come as he gets more mature back there speak with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register you mentioned Xavier Hutchinson he's a stud I mean averaging 100 yards a game receiving that is no surprise to everybody in the Big 12 but of course no more Charlie Kohler Brees Hall is into the NFL now of course Jalen Knoll who was a freshman last year now a sophomore has he done a nice job stepping into the second the number two receiver spot he certainly has he's he's good he's exciting when he gets his hands on the ball um he's he's also the kick returner both punt and kickoffs you know he'll return those and 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 Campbell said Campbell Pop said something Tuesday that, that I didn't hear. I didn't hear him say it initially, but I heard it when I was listening to the when I was transcribing the tape. He said whenever Jalen Noel runs the ball, he's got potential to do things with it. And so I, I wasn't even putting two and two together. But I I, I would have followed up if I if I thought of it at the time. But was Campbell saying that Jalen Noel's going to play some running back? And that and that may just be me, but that would be an interesting twist. But Jalen has been very good. Yeah, he's the number two receiver. And he played he played a little bit last year. He's been very good. He's very he's very quick. He can get open. He can catch a ball, and his yards after catch have been pretty darn good as well. So he's exciting once he, once he gets his hand on the ball. Like I said, whether it's whether it's catching a pass or catching a kick. Now, before we move to the defense, I actually, when watching back the KU-Iowa State game, special teams for Iowa 
State is what really stood out to me because it wasn't just the three missed field goals, but you had a, a kick-catch interference, a muffed punt, and um, giving up a, a nice return to Kansas. And then the three missed field goals by a freshman by Jace Gilbert. It seemed like a really bad day special teams, but had there been in the past any sort of issues, or was it just what I said, just one really bad game? Iowa State is walking a tightrope whenever it does special teams. Jace Gilbert has been good up until then. He's made his first five field goals. They weren't really long, but he'd been he'd been good up until then. But the other aspects of the of the special teams, they've had a punt, two punts blocked, or a punt blocked and a PAT blocked. There was a I don't know whether you mentioned this or not, but there was a a, a bad snap on a PAT that the that the kid that the holder ran in for a two point conversion. It's it's in in years past Iowa State special teams have been very suspect, so it's like a walk in a tightrope. Um, it's one of those moments that I think every team's probably got one of these where you the fans just kind of hold their breath when that unit's on the field or, or you know when when something's going on like that. But Iowa State special teams right now aren't are not good, and I, there's not an aspect of Iowa State special teams that are good right now. Um, Iowa State fans are kind of clamoring for Matt Campbell to hire a full time special teams coach. Um, but that's that's not his deal. Um, they, they kind of spread it around a little bit. He's got a special teams analyst, but um, yeah, I mean, Jace Gilbert missed three field goals. Iowa State lost a close game, and its special teams cost, without question, cost Iowa State that game. All right, over the defensive side of the football for Iowa State, and man, has it been good this year. And of course, that comes to no surprise with Matt Campbell being the head coach, defensively leading the conference, passing, rushing, scoring, and total defense. I mean, held Jalen Daniels. I thought that was a big storyline. Held Jalen Daniels to nine yards on eight carries. That's a huge day. Is there a weakness on this defense, or is it really just truly that good from front to back? I think it's good. I think I think the the deep passing game can be suspect. There have been some receivers get open um, deep, so that that's that's been a little bit of a weakness. But the linebackers are very good. The, the linemen are, are very good. Will McDonald, he, he doesn't credentials speak for itself, although Kansas State's guy who Felix, I'm just gonna call him Felix. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> but how do you do it? But anyway, do, yeah. um, <laughs> just call him Felix. He's he's looks like the premier sacker in the in the Big Twelve conference right now. But but yeah, Iowa State's three man defense, uh, defensive line has, has has done a good job, and they certainly did a good job against against Jalen Daniels, especially in the second half. And and I asked John Haycock about this last week. I said, would be would preparing for Jalen Daniels, playing Jalen Daniels and Adrian Martinez in, in consecutive weeks. Does that you know what's that mean? And he said, well, it, it's it's kind of the same prep, but not really the same prep. So I guess I guess we'll have to see. Speaking of Martinez, my gosh. Chris has got more, so much out of him. He got more out of him than Frost ever got. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what, another player who's really impressed me for uh, Iowa State this year, Orion Vance, who's that middle linebacker, like the quarterback yeah. of the defense. But I also know, you know statistically about Iowa State's defense, maybe just where they might be lacking is just total sacks. But has the guys in the box, have they been consistently putting pressure on the quarterback? They've been putting pressure on the quarterback, but the, the quarterback hasn't, you know, hasn't gone down. And they play quarterbacks who have gotten rid of the ball. Pretty quickly, um, except the Iowa quarterback. I don't know whether they sack. I think they maybe sacked him a couple times. Beyond that, yeah, they haven't. They haven't put. A, they, they haven't sacked the quarterback a ton, um, but they're putting. They're putting pressure on him um, on, on quarterbacks. It's just a matter of getting getting to the quarterback. And I suspect they'll try to put as much heat on on Adrian on Saturday as they can, and and see if they can get him back into his 
not taking care of the ball mode, which was the situation at, at Nebraska, in which Chris and the coaches seem to have cleaned that up tremendously. But uh, they'll, they'll try to pressure. They'll pressure with some linebackers. They can a ton of linebackers um, after the quarterback, but, but they will. So, I, yeah, I don't have any problem with the Iowa State front seven or eight or whatever, whatever they want to call it. Speaking with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. So to wrap up here, I, I think clearly a, a huge key in this game for really both teams is can K-State run against the Iowa State defense? Can that Iowa State rush defense hold K-State in check? To ask you to wrap up, I mean, do you think it is very possible that, that Iowa State's defense could give both Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn uh, a tough day when it comes to breaking out those big runs and, and keeping that K-State offense contained in the run game? That's, that's a $64,000 question. I think Iowa State might have potential to, to keep one of them um, somewhat contained, but I, but I don't know about two of them. I think the best the best job Iowa State's defense can do is to hope the Iowa State's offense can stay on the field and move the chains and keep them on the sidelines, um, which Iowa State's offense hasn't proven it can, it can do that yet. They Although they had a 99-yard drive against Iowa a while back, but but um, yeah, that's that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a huge test for Iowa State's defense. And like I said, they may be able to contain one, but man, I don't I don't know how you how you contain both of them. Well, Randy, I think this is going to be a, not only a good game but a, a close game because always playing up in Ames, Iowa, it gets a little bit weird. Close ones have taken place. I don't expect anything less with Farmageddon back in Ames, Iowa. But, Randy, really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for joining us. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks. Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register with us on the game. When we come back, our only number one song of the day for the week. Next game. Are we back? Hello? Is it? Oh, there it is. Nineteen seventy ain't no mountain high enough by Diana Ross. Three weeks at number one. Yeah, I'm sure when you think of this song, this is not the version you think of, but it's the only version that reached the top of the summit. The light taps on the cymbals. I'm not gonna lie. This is the first time I've heard the whole the version, the whole the whole version of this song. There's a video out there that shows this as the open to her walking in in Vegas, where they did the whole screen behind the stage, okay, like she's walking down a staircase, and then the lights come up and she's on stage. Well, Diana Ross from Detroit. Rose to Fame, lead singer, of course, of the Supremes. One of Motown, Motown's most successful acts. She did become Motown's most successful act. 
Following the departure of the Supremes in 70, embarked on that solo career, also in film, television, some stage stuff. She was named Female Entertainer of the Century in 1976 by Billboard, and she is the only female artist to have a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 as a member, as a solo artist, duet, trio, and an ensemble member. We getting there? Is this it? Yeah, it just doesn't seem like their traditional version, does it? Not at all. I mean, no disrespect to Diana Ross, but... <laughs> I think I prefer the, the Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell version a little bit more. Uh, let's see here. So, in 2021, Billboard named her the 30th, 30th greatest Hot 100 artist of all time. 25 studio albums, 18 top 40 hits, first of six number ones. She was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Supremes, and this was from her debut studio album. I mean, the message is about overcoming any obstacle and uh, is a cover. This is a cover song, of course. Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell with the original, which peaked at number 19 in the United States in 67. Now, lyrically... This was influenced by Ike and Tina Turner's River Deep, Mountain High, that was released in 66, and uh, the, the Supremes would sing this on their 1968 duets album, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Join the Temptations. And then two years later, Diana Ross would do it as a solo artist. This was her first big song as a solo artist. There is a little bit of irony here because Diana Ross, her second husband, died in South Africa mountain climbing. Oh boy. In 2004. I guess there was a mountain that was just a little too high. Oh boy. Let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, yes, of course. Um, if you are. Strict grammar people, grammarians, uh, ain't, I believe is actually, I used to be told in grade school, ain't's not a word, so don't say ain't. I believe ain't is technically a word. It's just frowned upon. There's also that du double negative, ain't no, ain't no mountain high enough, double negative. But, you know, there isn't any amount high enough. That just doesn't have the saying ring down, does it? It is in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. There you go. So let's see. Let's let's run down the list of all the teachers that lied to me. Uh, Mrs. Speltz, <laughs> Mrs. Sullivan, Mrs. Blake, Mrs. McFall, uh, who, uh, Mrs. Savner. Uh, let's see. Who else was there? Uh, Block. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Garnand. So many folks at Morganville lied to me. 
But thanks to Diana Ross and Ain't No Mountain High Enough, I learned the real facts about grammar. Ain't no valley low enough. All right, Troy, you uh, are you prepared? I'm not. Oh, boy. We didn't discuss that ahead of time. You're running the board. <laughs> oh, I know, but... Let's keep the song going. We'll let it finish. But I do have a question for you. Are you sock, shoe, sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. I go back and forth. I'm going to ask the same question I asked to Curry. Going to a wedding, (laughs) and you're going to give a little cash as the present. How much are you putting in the envelope? Does it depend on the person? You know, that's going to be a great question coming up next summer. We've got two next summer that are getting married that are nieces and nephews. Uh, Two nieces that are getting married next summer. So So we're going to have to figure out what what at that point we are doing. Okay, well, last time you put some money in an envelope. Mm. How much was it? Mm. Let's see here. Um, Good question, because usually better half takes care of that. Okay, I mean, would you usually go registry? Yes. See... I just, I'd rather do the cash. Like, I, I've, I'm sure you've heard my monologue about gift giving. Now, wedding is a little bit different than Christmas, for example. You know, a wedding, they will go ahead and just, I mean, they're just going to scan everything, right? Yeah. Ooh, I want the $100 coffee maker, not the $25 coffee maker. I need, I need the $25 towels, not the $12 towels. You know, even though I could probably go cheaper on the registry, I would just like to put a crisp $100 bill in there. Also, I don't want a thank you card. I think thank you cards are tacky and very old fashioned. Why can't I just send you a text or, uh, (laughs) you know, quick Snapchat or an email or. Why do I got to do a whole handwritten note thanking you for a couple of bucks? Because then it is heartfelt. I'm going to thank you later when you get married or remarried or whatever. I remember for graduation, when I graduated from high school, my mom, every card or present I got, my mom wanted me to write handwritten note to every single person. I'm like, you know what? All these people, I'm going to see them later down the road. Why can't I just be like, hey, I think that would mean a lot more, right? Coming up to them, a private mom, to say, hey, really appreciate that money you gave me. I, I used it to buy a laptop. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. And a nice handshake. Wouldn't that mean more? They're just going to throw away the card. I think we've got cards around somewhere. Still from our wedding. I, I think a wedding's a little bit different than graduation. I, Valid. You know, yeah. You're talk- well, I'm talking about a thank you card, not talking about a card that somebody gave you oh, okay. for your wedding. You know, nobody keeps a thank you card. Well, okay. That's a valid point. 
unless special situations. I've got a couple thank you cards from over the years that I've kept. Nice handshake, a nice thank you, maybe a little pat on the back, maybe crack a beer or something, cheers, and I don't know what you're trying to tell me. Fifteen. Oh. I've never I've in the history of this show, I've never given a fifteen second countdown. It was because or never I got been caught. given one. Yeah, okay. I love the throwing a lot of sign language at me. That means Troy's telling us it's time to wrap it up. For Troy, I'm Mitch. Go cats.